Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 33. And we are joined today by Miss Abby Begel. Hello, Abby. Hello, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. And Abby is the founder of Lake Health and Wellbeing. And Abby and I are going to be discussing embracing change in business. Yes. So, Abby, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about who you are where you come from, your background story, and how you got to where you are today, which is the founder of, uh, of Lake Health and Wellbeing. Okay, well, how much time do we have? Okay. Oh, we, have, um, we have all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I always tell people that I'm a mixture, that I'm a proper African-Caribbean mixture. So you are. I, I You're like so to... exotic, Abby. <laughs> You're so funny. So... <laughs> I was, um, I was born in Nigeria, um, in Lagos. Um, my mom is from Nevis in the Caribbean and my father is Nigerian. Okay. And so I, I left Nigeria when I was quite young, when I was about six. Um, so wait moved... a minute, small interjection. How did your parents yes. meet? Was it in university or something? Well, they met, I was told they met in Trinidad. Oh, wow. um, so my my dad is a, um, uh, basically at the time was an oil executive. And my mother, I think, also worked in the oil industry. Okay. And they met in Trinidad. I think uh, what happened was Nigeria sent a delegate of people to Trinidad, um, if I'm correct. Um, right. This is my understanding. Don't quote me. But they sent a delegate of um, people to Trinidad to kind of consult and help with the oil industry in Trinidad. And I think that's where they first met. And then I think they re-met again, I think, in the UK. And then... Yes, that's how that's how they met. You know, so I, I so think people, I think a lot of people don't realize there's so many African Caribbean marriages and relationships. There are, there are. In in Nigeria, they used to have this club called Niger Wives, and this was um, basically, um, I think they still have the club, and basically it was um, made up of women not from Nigeria who were married to Nigerian men, and it was a quite a huge, massive group. And my mother was one of many Caribbean women who were part of Niger Wives. Oh my gosh, that sounds so (laughs) harsh, Niger Wives. Niger Wives, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. So you you left Nigeria? Yes, so we left Nigeria when I was about six. um, um, And moved to, we moved to the UK. Uh, At the age of six, I was put into boarding school. So that was a little bit traumatic. Oh dear, Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was just... um, so for personal reasons, things were going on with family and stuff. So, so we were we were put into boarding school. But that's school quite that standard uh, in Nigeria to put your kids in a boarding school in the UK. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Actually, have gone that's to true. that's yeah, yeah. true. That's true. So that's true because actually in the boarding school that I went to, there were quite a few Nigerians. But I think I was the youngest person in the school, and uh, I was like, it was it was. Um, it was it was a hard because I was so young and to be separated from your mom who you were like like I was attached to her hip so to be separated from her was was a bit challenging and difficult but then you know your kids kids bounce back so um I really got into being away from home and enjoying enjoying life in boarding school and then about after about three or four years we then moved to the Caribbean so we moved to the Virgin Islands okay Uh, so I think I was like what about nine ten so moved to the Virgin Islands and then I I stayed there basically for most of my teenage years Um, so left the Virgin Islands after high school and then went to the UK again to do A-levels and then university so I went to university first in Birmingham okay um, and then I, I did a first degree in medical biochemistry. Then I went to university in the University of Surrey. And I got a master's in clinical biochemistry. And then I went out into the working world. And so I, I started off my career actually in the pharmaceutical industry. So as a research scientist, okay. um, I worked for a really innovative uh, biotech company called Vertex Pharmaceuticals. Um, at the time, I probably didn't appreciate what a great experience it was I just thought it was really scary and really hard but it challenged me it really it was a fantastic job I was challenged every day it felt stressful but I was challenged every day and I was working basically in the lab um, and we were focusing a lot on cancer understanding the biology of cancer understanding how we could develop um, drugs and treatments to deal with uh, some, some of the biological issues around cancer so it was very very interesting 
um, really challenged me, really pulled me out of myself because I was very, very shy. Mm. And there was no escaping, you know, you had to do presentations, you had to be up there, you had to present your work, you couldn't hide in the back of the room or anything, you really had to speak up and you really had to perform. Mm. So very, very good experience. And I think that really helped me gain a lot of confidence. So that was, I think, one of the best jobs that I've ever had. It was really, really challenging, um, very rewarding as well. They took care of the staff. So very, very good, very, very, really good job. So then from there, I thought, you know what, I want the experience of working in a big multinational company. So I moved on and I worked for a company called Novartis, a Swiss mm. pharmaceutical company. Yes, yes. Um, and they, I went to work in their site down in Horsham in West Sussex in the UK. Okay. And I worked there for about a year. Again, that was a really good experience. Massive, massive company. I actually felt like I was back in university because they have... Um, they had, you know, it was like they had a research lab, research center, live, you know, it was like, it felt like a campus, basically. So again, it was like a, a really, another really good experience. Um, and then after about a year, so that would have been about five or six years in the pharmaceutical industry, I kind of thought, you know, I, wanna, I want a different experience because working in the lab, although very, very interesting is that you don't necessarily see your results immediately. It takes years because we were like right at the beginning stage. So it can take about 20 or 30 years before you actually see the fruits of your labor. And I was like, oh, you know, I want to have more of an impact on my community. Um, so I would like to kind of get out of the lab and be a bit more public facing. Right. So what I did was I, um, I went to work for the National Cancer Research Institute based at Cancer Research UK. And there I was now more, a little bit more public facing. So we were looking at um, combining technology and, um, and cancer research. So how could, we, how could we use technology to make cancer research more effective and in, allow researchers to share their data a bit more effectively? So anyway, it was more public facing, but my public were the scientists. And mm -hmm. so helping the scientists um, make the most of their data. So that again was a really interesting project. And that was a four-year project. So um, again, you know, once that project was over, I was like, I definitely want to be really public facing now. So more kind of actually engaging with the public, helping them understand cancer, how to reduce their risk. So I went and I worked for a, a charity called Ovarian Cancer Action. Okay. Um, and there I was there. Um, program manager and I was working on, on educate, the education side of things, so educating the public about ovarian cancer, signs and symptoms, how to reduce your risk and that kind of thing. So that was really interesting. Okay. And then so this is a very long, <laughs> long no, introduction. It's quite, a, it's quite a journey because you started in Nigeria, yeah. then you went to yeah. the, UK, the Caribbean, back to the UK. So we're in the UK yeah. stage. So you're, you're yeah. a professional I'm now in the UK. So okay. professional in the UK, yeah. Okay. So working for a charity as their kind of education um, kind of lead and going out there talking. So the, it was actually quite an interesting piece of work. So basically what I would do is I would engage with health professionals and engage with the public on ovarian cancer. And it was all about education. So how could we ensure that women with ovarian cancer um, are diagnosed earlier? And how could we ensure that, that doctors are well equipped with the information that they need to make a diagnosis? So it was really quite interesting. And then um, I also was doing some consultancy work as well. So I did a little bit of consultancy work with um, various um, small organizations around, because at the time I, I also had a really, really strong interest and passion for the black community and improving the health and well-being of the black community. So whilst I was working, I would do things like go out and give presentations in churches, um, all sorts of things, um, black churches, black community groups to raise awareness of various different diseases. And so with some of the consultancy work I did, so I, was, I did a, a piece of work where I was looking at how could this organization reach out to the black community, raise awareness of cancer, um, and develop a program that was targeted at the black community. So that was some of, those were some of the things I was doing kind of on the side, right. as well as working for Ovarian Cancer Action. And then whilst I was at Ovarian Cancer Action, I was like, look, I'm really enjoying all the stuff that I'm doing um, outside of work, um, which is like going out to the black community. So what can I do that's kind of more formal to, um, 
to, you know, to have more of an impact. And I like was speaking to my husband about it. I was like, you know, I should start my own organization. But I was like, I was really scared. I was like, no, I can't, you know, like, whose authority would I stand on? Like, I, I can't really do this. Mm. And he's like, you know what, just do it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? If it doesn't work, you just, you just shut the business down or shut the charity down. And, exactly. And you move on. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I loved that. I was like, yeah, just do it. So that has actually become like my mantra, just do it. Mm. So I, I started, um, the Lake Foundation as a charity in 2013, and the whole aim was to improve the health and well-being of the Black community. And so I, I was doing that whilst working. Um, and then it came to a point where it was becoming um, quite difficult to balance the two. So I spoke to my boss, which I was, I didn't even think she would even like entertain me. But I spoke to my boss and she was like, wow, you're doing this on the side. That's so great. How can we support you? And I said, you know, it'd be really great if I could go down to three days a week. And I just, I just didn't think like it would actually happen. And she's like, you know what? Sure, go for it. So I've started wow. working three days a week. That's, you're and so lucky to have that. That's so amazing. I know. I was like shocked. And the thing is, my husband always said to me, if you don't ask, you won't get. And that's right. why I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask. It's not like she's going to fire me because I asked her for this thing because you can't fire someone just because they asked to go down to three days a week or and and it and it um and it worked out so for for quite a few years I was um working um three days a week with ovarian cancer action and then um doing lake foundation um the rest of the time and then I left ovarian cancer action and I went to work for cancer research UK again again I was able to get a job where I could work three days a week but then with Cancer Research UK it was really flexible I could work from home so I had a really good balance I was able to balance uh, my work uh, professional work with um, the Lake Foundation so that's how I came to be the founder of the Lake Foundation that was a really long <laughs> long wow. introduction yeah and now you are in the Caribbean Yes. So and where are you now? now? Where are you now? I'm in St. Kitts. I'm in St. Kitts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. so you have come. Yeah. Well, no, you're not full circle yet. At some point, you've not got to go quite. back to Nigeria. And then you yeah, come not full quite full circle. Yes. So now, um, now I'm in the Caribbean. So I'm based in St. Kitts now. So what happened was uh, when, we, when I got married, so I got married in 2012. Okay. My husband and I kind of said to each other, we kind of had this goal, you know, in five years' time, we're going to leave the UK because we kind of got into a point where we felt the UK wasn't necessarily the place we wanted to be for various different reasons. Right. And so we kind of made that statement, yeah, five years' time, we're going to, we're going to leave the UK. Mm. And so at that time, 2012, I hadn't started the Lake Foundation. And we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. But obviously after we made that, that, that statement, it, things were kind of quiet we didn't really talk about moving and so I started the Lake Foundation in 2013 and then maybe 2014-15 we started having really good conversation really productive conversations about moving mm. we're like you know what had, we made that statement we're gonna try and leave within the next five years so what are we doing and so so we started making our plans quietly kind of making our plans to, to leave the UK and making a decision as to where to go um, we had quite a few options, to be honest. So we were like thinking Ghana, Nigeria, um, or the Caribbean. And we decided on the Caribbean. Um, and we, we planned. We planned like crazy. Uh, we really, really planned. Yeah. Um, and because when we initially made the decision, um, you know, to move, when we first got married, and Lake Foundation wasn't in, in or hadn't started, you know, I didn't really think about oh the business how could we move it over so maybe about a couple of years after when it was like okay this move is definitely gonna happen I had to start thinking about what am I going to do with the Lake Foundation and I was like I've gained so much momentum you know I've gotten we had really interesting projects running we had um, done some work with fibroids had a fibroids information project was running we had a cycling project running we had a cancer awareness group running I'm like what am I going to do with the Lake Foundation and I just, I had to really think about it. I was like, should I shut it down completely? Should I move it over to the Caribbean? So I had to really reflect. And I was like, you know what? Change is really good. Change, um, you know, you read a lot about change and how change develops you and how change helps you progress. And I was like, you know, I'm going to embrace this change. Mm. And I'm going to really think about what I'm going to do with the Lake Foundation and see if I could really grow and, uh, and as a person personally and as a business. 
through this period of change that we're going through personally. Mm. And so what I decided was, this gives me the opportunity now to look at the Lake Foundation, reassess, look at what's working well, um, look at even the name, look at the branding, and see how I can transition the organization from being a charity in the UK to being either a charity or business in the Caribbean. Mm. And so what I decided was I'm going to, initially I decided I'm going to change it to a business and it will be a consultancy um, in the Caribbean. And then, you know, so I started kind of working on logos and various different things and I was going to call it late consultancy. And it's funny, one of my friends said to me, consultancy? That means nothing to me. What, what, what exactly, what, what are you going to be doing? Like, that means nothing. When I think of the name late consultancy, what does that mean? Yeah. And, which was really good feedback. So then I, I looked at it again and I was like, you know, I, it needs to be really clear what I'm doing. So again, I went back and I reassessed and I was like, okay, I want this to be a public health organization that actually consultancy would be a part of it, but I can still do the things I was doing with the Lake Foundation. So I decided on Lake Health and Wellbeing to make it very clear that this is a health and wellbeing organization. Okay. And now what I've done is I've, I've kind of streamlined everything into about four categories. So okay. we're doing research, we're doing consultancy, we're doing events, um, and we're doing public health interventions. So I think it's been really good because it has allowed me to actually streamline everything, be really concise. And so now we're a business based in the Caribbean that focuses on those four areas. Um, and that's how we got to, that's how I got to where I am. So moving from it being a charity in the UK to being a business in the Caribbean. So you're no, so what has happened to your clients and, or your collaborators and all this stuff you were doing in the UK? How did you transition that? Yeah, so that was, that was a challenge. So, um, so in the last year, what I started doing was slowly winding things down. So some things like um, naturally came to an end. So there were some projects where the funding came to an end. So that was, um, so they, they naturally, those projects came to an end. Um, there were one or two things. I was doing a diabetes community champions project. Um, and I was doing that in collaboration with Diabetes UK. And so I just had a really good conversation with them and I explained, you know, we're um, moving to the Caribbean. Again, they were so supportive. They were like, great, don't worry about it. We'll run the project from here. So I handed over the project to them and they were just like, if you need any help in the Caribbean, if you, if you decide to do any work on diabetes in the Caribbean, you know, let us know and they'll, you know, they might be able to support and collaborate. So they were really, really um, great. Um, in terms of like our mailing list, uh, what I did was, um, it was, it was kind of like a slow, slow drip feed of information. Yeah. So I didn't want to do like a big, um, a big kind of oh announcement we're moving kind of thing until I was kind of a bit clear on what direction I was going to take. So with our mailing list and our supporters and our clients, um, I kind of um, I let things kind of continue because the good thing with um, with technology is that you know you still write the blogs, you still write the news on your website. You're still I still did a lot of stuff online, so it there was like a really smooth transition. And then when things started to, when the pl- my plans started to really uh, take form and we had confirmed the plans, then I kind of started to drip feed. So it was things like, oh, we're moving. Um, things won't change. Same aims and objectives. We're moving. Um, and I, I would write like little articles about the change, why we're moving, and just explain that whilst we might not be able to support you physically in the UK, um, there's still a lot that we can do in terms of supporting online. So say with our Five Words project, we have a five words ask the expert panel, but that's like online. So people yeah. can still get support online right. um, and just getting the message across that we're still the same organization. Um, you can still contact us. We could still Skype us. You can still uh, access the information on our website. So there's still, you know, they can still definitely engage with us, but we'll just be in the Caribbean. We're not in a different planet. We're not on a different planet. We're just in a different country. So they can still utilize all the stuff that we have online. So that's kind of how um, we transitioned. And we're still transitioning over. So um, so we've made the announcement that we've moved, obviously. We've um, made the announcement, then we made an announcement about the change of name. Um, so, you know, we slowly kind of, kind of slowly pulled people along with us, very slowly. 
um, yeah, so that's how, that's, how it, that's how we kind of transitioned over. Wow. So in all of this change, what has been mm. the most difficult thing to deal with? Or that um, you might still be dealing with in terms of the business? Yeah, the, the most difficult thing, um, I think the most difficult thing for me was um, slightly like kind of the fear of the unknown. Like when I come to the Caribbean, what's it going to be like? Will I be able to get clients? Um, Will people actually appreciate what I'm offering? I find that of interest. So I think for me, that was the hard, hardest thing. And I think what's helped me overcome that is that actually, what, what I always used to say was that my website is like my portfolio. So I, I have spent a lot of time creating a website, website that I feel has quite a lot of content that actually right. demonstrates what we've done in the past. Right. So, so if people wanted to know of my skill set of what we do, they could have a look at the website. And, the, and I'm, I'm really glad that I did that because now as I'm going out now to kind of meet organizations in the Caribbean, meet with collaborators and potential clients, I've said to them, you know, they've had a look at the website and all of them have been like, wow, you know, this is really impressive. And I think if I hadn't built the website, kept it up and, and been consistent with it, I really wouldn't have had a nice story to tell because I think the website does tell a nice story because I have documented everything from the beginning through blogging, through news, got pro- projects that are on the website. So I've documented everything on the website. That's and really so that's allowed me to. That's, that's really important in terms of it advice. Because you know? a lot of the times people, when they're first starting out, they, they have these websites and they get really confused. What am I doing? Why should mm. I do this? But you don't realize in the end, all of that content is what I tell you. It's and like other people. (laughs) I'm so glad I did it because, and I think what's, because when I first started the website, I was like, you know, I have to build a track record because how else are funders going to understand my work ethic, what I'm doing. So I have to build this track record. So that's why I felt the website was really important. And maybe at the time, sometimes I think, oh, all this effort I'm putting into it, is it worth it? But to be honest, it's so worth it. Because mm. even back in the UK, funders would go and look at the website and be like, okay, she's consistent. They blog every month. They have news items every, you know, it's very like up to date. And so, so it has really been um, a good thing that I, had, I did that. And when I came here, it was an even better thing because now I've had um, all sorts of people looking at the website and going, okay, great. We understand exactly what you do. We understand what you can offer us. And I've already had really good conversations with the Ministry of Health. Um, and purely because what I then was able to do was I was able to create a portfolio, like a physical printout portfolio based on what I had on the website and take mm. that out to meetings. And then that, um, you know, based on the website, based on all the work that I've done, that was what I was able to have really good conversations with people on. So letting them understand what we are, who we are, what we do, our, our history. And based on that, I've, I've already made some really good connections and it's all looking really positive. So um, I think um, the original question was the challenge. Like I said, the challenge was the fact that I was a little bit worried about just how the organization would be received here in the Caribbean. And it's been received quite positively. And mm-hmm. also, and I overcame that, like I said, with just making sure that I, I kept on making sure that the website and the information that I provide is up to date so that people had a good, could see and I had a good story to tell when I go out to meetings. So that's how I overcame that challenge. So right now, are all of your clients Caribbean-based or the clients you're going um, to be working with? Well, they, they, it, they don't have to be. So I'm, I'm, we, the idea is that we'll be working with people, anybody in the health and well-being um, sector, but because we're based in the Caribbean, what I want to do, what I want to start off doing first, though, is understanding what the health challenges are in the Caribbean and then working with Caribbean-based organizations to address those challenges. And so that's why I was really keen to meet with the Ministry of Health here and see if there's opportunity for collaboration. And that's mm-hmm. looking really quite positive. So I'm going to explore that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, reaching out to like regional organizations. So we're now a member of the Healthy Caribbean Coalition and they're based in Barbados and they're doing work throughout the Caribbean. Right. So, so again, that opens up the opportunity to work with organizations and have clients outside of St. Kitts. And then of course, if there are organizations outside of the Caribbean that would like to partner on any kind of health project um, or, or if they're, if, 
or if they're clients outside of the Caribbean who are looking for an organization that can do a bit of qualitative research, that can do some consultancy, then we're here and we'd be very happy to work with them and have them as clients. Definitely. And the thing is, when you were based in the UK, you brought mm. awareness about African and African Caribbean communities. And now you're actually in the Caribbean, in the Caribbean, yeah. Caribbean communities. And I think, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if somehow you could be doing the same thing with communities in, say, sub-Saharan Africa and kind of build those bridges between health in Africa and in the Caribbean? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. It would be, and actually, it's a possibility. So, uh, yeah. one of my in when I was in the UK, one of my trustees, mm-hmm. um, she uh, she's fantastic, Fadzai. She's really, really great. In fact, all my trustees are great. Stella, Fadzai, like okay. they were just so yeah. wonderful to have them as trustees. But okay. anyway, so Fadzai um, actually, so I moved to the Caribbean, and my other trustee, Fadzai, moved to South Africa. Oh, wow. So there is the opportunity because she's doing some great work over there. Um, right. And so there is the opportunity and we're actually going to regroup and have a conversation about um, potentially collaborating across, if there's a across continent. So either some kind of project around Africa and the Caribbean. So there is that opportunity and it could happen. It could happen because my ex trustee is based in South Africa and we're still going to try and work together. So, so that could happen. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be really, really incredible because then you be. could you could see the links between the the mm. health concerns, you know, if there are any yes. trends and and what's happening and how how are the different communities dealing with those challenges and and so on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, some of the, the health challenges are particular quite similar in a sense. Yeah, um, we know a lot of the diabetes, cancer, heart disease are very common. Um, in the black community, whether you're in the Caribbean, whether you're in Africa, or whether you're in the UK, whether you're in the US. So all of those those conditions are common. Is that um, the same for fibroids as well? Do you have a lot yeah. of fibroids in West Africa? I, 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 I can't say for sure, but I know that there have been organizations set up to deal with fibroids. Um, mm. um, it, is, it is common, um, definitely in, in black women. I don't know the number specifically in Africa, um, but we do know it's, it's fibroids are a lot more common in black women generally. Because I read somewhere that fibroids are very common in black women in the diaspora. Yeah. So if you're mm-hmm. in, say, North America, Canada, Caribbean, Europe, but they mm-hmm. weren't quite sure if yeah. that was the same for women in Africa itself. Exactly. So exactly. They, they were studying whether it's that something happened which has led to that change that that's why it's only affecting women outside of Africa. Whereas when you yeah. go inside sub-Saharan Africa itself, they weren't entirely sure if fibroids was a big problem there. So I was just Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think exactly then it's it's not too it's not 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 sure. I mean we know like it starts initially because of a uh, a genetic mutation and then there's certain things that then like increase your risk so you know we know lifestyle plays a major role in the development of fibroids um Mm -hmm. so you know we know that if you exercise that reduces your risk of developing fibroids if you're active diet as well can play an impact in in your risk of developing fibroids um smoking alcohol all those kinds of things Um, but it's it's thought to be like a combination of things a combination of lifestyle and genetic factors so, but I think there needs to be a lot more clarity around fibroids so that we can truly understand how we can prevent women from developing it. Definitely. So how did you deal with the branding and the change yeah, in branding? The branding. Because yes. you yes. were the Lake Foundation and now yes. you are something completely different. You are Lake yeah. Health and Lake Wellbeing. Health and Wellbeing. So yes. how, how did you make that transition without confusing people? Yeah. How so I think that brand, that brand. Yeah. So I think what, I, what I've done is I've kept the brand colors the same, fairly similar, so blue and green. So the brand colors, I've just changed the blue slightly, the green slightly, no major thing, nobody probably even noticed. So right. we've kept the brand colors the same. Um, um, but obviously what, we're tr- what I'm trying to do is just make the brand look a bit more professional mm. uh, and clean it up a little bit. So, we've, um, so obviously you have to think about logo, um, so working with a design company to like, think about a logo that's, that's nice and professional, um, think about products, um, all the assets that I'm going to develop, so leaflets and all those kinds of things, thinking about the design of all of those to make it, you know, really professional and stand out. 
So in terms of, of trying not to confuse people, like I said, it, it was a drip feed of information. So, yeah. you know, I would, I would, I would basically say, okay, we, uh, I think I've done about three or four messages out to people to say, okay, new, new, na- new location, new name. So basically explaining to people that we've moved and with the move comes the name change. We've really gotten that across and, and that message has, has, I think, gotten across well and it's been well received. I don't think people are that confused. So really just say that we've changed our name. Then, then, another, then a couple of messages to say, um, we're soon going to be changing all our social media handles. So it's just been small bits of information that have, we've sent out so to let people know the different changes. And we've kind of used social media quite effectively to get that message across. So we've pinned, so pinned the messages mm-hmm. on Facebook, pinned the messages on Twitter to like really make it clear that we're changing our name. We're now Lake Health and Wellbeing, same organization, same aims and objectives to a point, um, but just a different name and look and feel. Yeah, I'm on the website right now and I see Saint mm. Kitts World Cancer Day. <laughs> yes. <in> our health <laughs> through um, gardening. So I'm definitely seeing the changes in terms of the content. Yeah. The content yes. has definitely changed. Yes. yes. Who are these so lovely now- people standing here for World Cancer Day? <laughs> oh, oh, which, which, oh, which, which, which no, people? I'm on, I'm on the website and I okay. see four people holding, oh, okay. Okay. holding some signs so, or something. It looks really nice. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So that was my, the first bit of work I, I did, I've done with the Ministry of Health. World Cancer Day, I supported them with a little kind of social media campaign. Okay. Um, and so those people that are holding up with those, so what we did at the start of the beginning, so what we did is that um, the World Cancer Day um, organizers, they have a lot of kind of assets for mm-hmm. World Cancer Day so that you can basically pick those up and use them to raise awareness of cancer in the community. So I worked with the, the Ministry of Health to really um, to get out into the community to businesses, members of public, um, to get some of those um, cancer awareness messages out there. So the people that you're seeing holding up the little signs mm-hmm. are from a company called Flow. Are you probably aware of Flow? They're yes, like a yes. um, yeah. So, yeah. So Flow is a um, is a TV and an internet company in the Caribbean. They're all over the Caribbean. So we went to Flow and they agreed to kind of help us raise awareness and, and, and raise awareness of some of the cancer awareness messages. And so what they did is they held up some signs with particular messages and then we took pictures for Facebook and Twitter. And we did that with other companies and with members of the public as well. So that was like a tiny little campaign that I worked on um, with the Ministry of Health. And, um, and it was well received. So it was good because we got out into the community. People asked questions. So we could have teachable moments where we could say to people, this is how you reduce your risk of developing cancer mm. um, and that kind of thing. Um, so that worked really well. And so we, um, so we put that out for a week on, on social media. So we had businesses like oil companies flow um, yeah. and other companies holding up signs saying like, what could they do to um, tackle cancer? Right. So yeah, that's what that's what we did in some kids. So now, okay, you have embraced mm-hmm. change very yes. well, obviously, <laughs> and now you're in the Caribbean. But what is it like working with Caribbean people versus working with Brits? <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, which interesting. I know is very different. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is different. But yeah. I like it. You I do. really, really like it. And the reason why, the only reason why I like it is because people, um, are, they're very people orientated here in the Caribbean. Mm. So people want to get to know you. They want to understand you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's, there's more of your, your, you spend time more developing a, a relationship with people. Mm. I felt in the Caribbean, thing, I'm Caribbean, sorry, I felt in the UK things were sometimes a little bit cold. So, you know, you'd be emailing people constantly. Um, you didn't really have that human always. You didn't always Very mechanical, have. isn't it? It's very mechanical. Yes, that's a good word. Very mm. mechanical. So you didn't always have that human contact. So I could be um, working with um, a collaborator and never actually meet them in person um, in the UK. It would all be by email and phone um, for some projects anyway, and never actually physically see them, <laughs> which, which is a bit strange when you think about it. You probably mm-hmm. might have one or two meetings with them, but the bulk of the work would be done by email. Yeah. Whilst in the Caribbean, 
you actually see people and you sit down and you have a really good chat, you get to know people, you get to understand where they're coming from, you mm. get to understand, you know, what their challenges are. You really just, just, so I think that has been the biggest difference. And also, I guess the biggest difference, which at first I thought was a bad thing, but now I realize it's a good thing, is that things over here do take a lot longer mm. uh, than in the UK. Yeah. At first, I thought this was a bad thing. It's like, why is everything taking so long? Mm. And then I actually realized this is a good thing. The UK is too fast. <laughs> really? That's, you know, when I asked you, what is it like working with Brit- Brits versus Caribbean people? The reason I was laughing because I was waiting for you to say, it's so slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I thought, like, yeah. Uh, so at first, like, I did feel that. But then I was like, well, why do we need to work fast anyway? Like, really, why do you need to work fast anyway? In yeah. UK, you know, constantly on the go, 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 run, 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 running around, hey, 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 hey I'm left, in right, the name, center, In the know, name of efficiency, right? But yeah, yeah. But and is it really well, efficient? Is it really exactly efficient? Exactly what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. running around, but are you really being that much more productive and efficient? Just running yeah. around, running, running, running from here to there. But here you it's like it it, things do take a bit longer but you have time to process you have time to digest the information that people are giving you you have time to think you know you but you do you have time to also enjoy what's happening you enjoy the moment because i felt a lot of the time in the uk i'm doing projects running projects doing things i'm not actually enjoying them i'm not actually enjoying the achievements i'm just constantly running from one project to the next project but over here you can actually sit back reflect and enjoy the project and enjoy the moment, enjoy the people that you're working with. Um, so I think those are the two, two main differences. Um, yeah, yeah. And even though the pace at first to me was like a bit of a negative, I now find it a positive because you're taking the time to really um, connect with people. You're taking the time to really understand, understand and reflect on your project. So I, I appreciate it. I really do. And you feel a lot more at peace, a lot less stressed. Your mind is a lot less cluttered. Um, mm. You have time to think. Um, so I, I prefer it. I do prefer it. Yeah. So it sounds like on a personal level, the, mm. the change, the transition, you, you enjoy it and it's been good for you. Yeah, it has been. I think I read somewhere, I think there's a CEO of DocuSign or something. And I read somewhere, he, he said something like change is the most important word in the English language because change helps you develop, it helps you grow. Yeah. And I think, I think this change has really helped me develop, it's really helped me grow mm. um, for so many different reasons. I feel like in the UK, I just didn't have time. I, I think I was telling you before, in the UK, I was very um, reactive. Mm. Um, and when you're reactive, I don't know if you necessarily make the best decisions and I don't know if you necessarily have time to strategize and really plan right um over here now i can be more proactive i am i I can strategize i can think clearly um i can think about what direction to take i can think about i can be i always used to say i'm not creative Mm. and over here i can now you have the time to think about creative ways of getting your message across Mm. so i think you know i you know, in the UK, I never, I was so scared. I didn't want to do videos. I didn't want to do podcast. I didn't want to do anything. In the short space of time that I've been here, I've started a podcast, started doing videos. Um, but why do you think that is now? Is it like you, you just have less fear or something? Or? I think it's, it's less fear. I think definitely it's less fear. In, in the UK, I kind of, you kind of feel as a black woman, you're like under the microscope. People are like um, constantly criticizing, evaluating, mm. questioning um, everything that you do. But yeah. over here, it's, it's, it's like a completely different, um, a different environment where you feel like you can be creative. You feel like you can do things differently. You don't feel as judged. Um, you know, so I, 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 I appreciate that. And I'm, I, I think this is so far it has helped me grow and develop i've you know the website's been redesigned which i just could never get around to in the uk um you know the blogging i'm doing a lot more blogging so there's just time to kind of really sit and think and do things rather than just running around and you know pretending to be busy and just oh just yeah so i think yeah yeah the change has been really very very good um it's just allowed me to really have time for reflection and planning um so yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. But would you would you agree that 
establishing yourself first in the UK and yes. all of that experience has really yes. helped because if you yes. had just, if you hadn't done that it probably would have been a little bit more difficult right yes actually that is very true that is that is true so obviously I had how many years like I don't even want to say how many years experience <laughs> lots and of experience worked with a lot of you know big organizations and yes I, yes so that is true so that is true I sort of have come to it I have a, a bit of an advantage in that sense. So I have worked for a long time in the field. I have qualifications in the field. Um, so, so there is all of that behind me. So I didn't just rock up one day and say, hey, look, hey, I'm studying the Lake Health and Wellbeing. And, you know, I do have all that experience behind me and expertise behind me. So that is an advantage. But I think now I feel like I can use that expertise more effectively because I have... Um, the headspace, the time, and the energy to really utilize all my skills. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so if you had to say break it down into steps, mm. right? Okay, um, yeah. Moving your business from one part of the world to the next, and you yes. just, just giving tips. What tips of advice would you would you offer to someone? Okay, so the tips I would give. So the first thing, obviously. I probably might have trivialized it a little bit is that we did really do a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. We planned personally and professionally. We really planned. Okay. So we visited, I did visit St. Kitts twice okay. um, before we actually moved. Um, and on both occasions, I, um, I really did like kind of survey the land, understand who is um, working in the health and well-being field here. Mm. I had a very brief conversation with um, somebody at the Ministry of Health on one of those visits. So there was a bit of, there's quite a lot of planning. I think you need to anticipate everything and have some backup plans. So you need to say, okay, this is, once you've surveyed the landscape, then you need to understand, okay, so who will be my potential clients? Are my potential clients going to be in St. Kitts? Are they going to be regional? Are they going to be international? Understand who your potential clients are going to be and then understand what it is that you're selling to them right. um, and really just plan from that point of view. So I did do a lot of planning. Then, it, then once I did all the visiting and understood like the landscape of St. Kitts and the Caribbean, it was then about understanding, okay, so I have this organization already. So what do I need to streamline? What do I need to, to kind of tweak to ensure that my business is going to work well in the Caribbean? So I think it's then doing an evaluation of your business. So the first thing is you evaluate where you're moving to. The next step is you evaluate your current organization and understand what's working well, what's not working well, what you think is going to work in the country that you're moving to. Um, then, of course, there's the legal side of things, um, which is very important. So how are you going to register your business? What structure is your business going to have? Um, um, what, are, what, are the, what actually, how do, how do you register? What are the charges? Because that's very important because when you're moving, you have a lot of expenses. So what are the charges to set up your business in, in the new country? Can you afford it? Um, so all of those little legal things you need to understand. You need to understand about the tax laws in the country that you're moving to, so the business tax laws that you're moving to. Right. So all of those, all of those things. Um, and then I think if you're winding down a business, you need to understand how to do that. What are the implications? If you have projects that are on the go, you need to understand how you can get yourselves out of those projects without damaging any relationships. Oh, that's um, so reputation. important. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, so you need to understand understand that. Um, I think as well, you have to. You also have your collaborators. You want to say, well, actually, can I still collaborate with them when I'm in the Caribbean? So, yeah. for example, I'm collaborating with Noir Wellness. Um, yes, still. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So we're doing. We're we're still working quite well together from afar um, on um, quite a, on a on, particularly on fibroids. So we're doing quite a lot of work together on fibroids. They're based in London. I'm based in the Caribbean. We have catch up calls every two weeks. So that's a relationship that we've nurtured and we've kept going. You don't have to turn away from everybody in the Caribbean, I'm sorry, in the country that you're leaving. You can still work with people. So we have a really good relationship with our wellness. We're going to be doing some events together in the Caribbean. Um, 
there are other organizations that I'm working with, OH um, Services, a counseling organization. They're based in the UK. I'm still working with them around the emotional impact of fibroids. So still working together just because you're, you've left doesn't mean you can't still work together with people. So again, it's understanding your collaborators. Can you still work with them in the country that you're moving to? Also your supporters and your um, so-called customers. Again, it's understanding can you still, what can you still offer them from the country that you're moving to? So can, is it just information? Can you offer them a service? It's understanding. So literally it, that's all part of the business analysis, understanding how you can still serve your collaborators, your partners, your customers, your supporters, understanding how you can still support each and every person that you engage with. Um, and then, you know, if it's going to be, if you're changing the structure, so I, I change the structure. So if it's changing and name, so if it's changing the structure and the name, you then have to think about branding. You have to think about name, appropriate name. You have to think about, um, um, think about branding, appropriate name. You have to think about communication. So how are you getting all those messages across to people um, and making sure they don't get confused. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the things. So I think like first step is analysis of the country you're moving to. Second step is an analysis of um, your current business and how you're gonna transition. Um, third step is understanding the legal implications of moving your business over, winding down, restarting. And then I think the fourth step is understanding all your relationships and how they might change or not change when you move over. Mm. And then, of course, the fifth step is once you get here is to just do the work, get the business set up, um, start getting out and meeting people, um, get, get, try and get as many meetings as possible to try and see, um, understand how you can then start um, getting clients in. I think Definitely. that's the thing. <laughs> Yeah, because, and that's, you know, when you get in the new country and you actually, you're mm. on the ground now, then you have to start building new relationships. Yes, yes, you do. You do. And I think you touched on it. The important thing as well is to make sure that you have that track record, um, that the yeah. track record is there. It's in a document. So I created a portfolio so that you could go out and you can give people the information. They can digest it. So having a really good story that you can tell about who you are and what you do, I think is quite important. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think, and I think, just don't be scared. Like you know, I think change is very can be very very scary, but change is also very good. You learn so much for from it. Yeah, you become a strong person. You become a better person. There's a lot of personal development, and so just don't be scared. Embrace the change in all its forms. Make sure that at each point you're learning from everything that you're doing when it comes to the change. Um, and I think. You know, change is only a good thing. It, it, as I said, I keep saying it, it, it allows you to learn, it allows you to grow. It pushes you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. So, it, and in that way, you know, it, it strengthens you, it improves your confidence. I think it makes you more creative as well because you have to think about how you're going to um, take forward the change. And sometimes you have to be quite creative. So it allows you to be a bit creative as well. So. So I would say if you're, if you're in the situation that I was in where you had made, you made, you've made a decision to move country or you've made a decision to move, don't be scared. If you have a business that's ongoing or you have a project that's ongoing, don't be scared. Embrace the change and just see how you can make it happen. Um, right. And I would say, yeah, make, the, make decisions that are um, really best for you and your situation. Um, you know, don't, don't feel obligated, like, for example, don't feel obligated to keep the business going. If, you, if that's not going to work, don't feel obligated to keep the business going. Um, yeah. But just do what's best for your situation. And sometimes it's okay to walk away. I think a lot of people it don't is. realize that it's it a whole experience. You know, if you built something for three, four, five years, mm. that's fine. You've learned so much from yes. that and grown yes. from that. Yeah. You can then take everything from that and start something new and do something. Yeah. Yeah. Join, join somebody else's organization. I think people feel sometimes that they've got to go on and on. Yes. And, and they, and they you don't, don't have to. You don't have to. You can, you can actually let go and that's all right you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said, don't, don't feel obligated because you know, there's a season for everything. So that season may, may be over and it's time to move into a new season. Um, you know, so, but I think as well, I think it is important to understand your purpose. 
Because oh, yeah. I think if you understand your purpose, then when all of this change is happening, you kind of know how to navigate, I suppose. So but, I, mean, I think how, how, this is important, I agree, but how do people understand their purpose? What do they do? Do they, you know, get in touch with their chakras? Do they come <laughs> down in five circles? What do they do? You're so funny. <laughs> well, I think, I, mean, I think for me, um, so I'm a Christian. So yeah. I think... <laughs> She's like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I don't believe in chakras, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I think for me, however which way you want to do it, it's understanding what you think God has placed mankind here for. Mm. So what we've done is we've stripped everything down, like really to the basics. Um, mm. So what we're, we're saying is that everything that we do needs to benefit mankind. It's not to be done for money. It's not to be done for personal gain, mm. but it's done in, to ensure that we're actually contributing to improving somebody's life and to um and to make humanity and to make this world a better place now that might sound very airy fairy so then what that means now is that if you are if you have a business what is that business really doing is that business actually helping people is it solving a problem mm. or is it just making you feel good is it make is it because is you're it a ego, ego thing yeah yeah so is it because i think at some point, people have got caught up with, and, and you know, it's, it's not always a bad thing, but people have got caught up with, with phrases like, I'm, I'm a startup, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO, mm -hmm. and that's all fine and good, but, but at the end of the day, what is your organization doing to move things forward in this world? What are, we, what are you doing to help and to make things better? And, and, and I think that is around your purpose. So what are your strengths and how are you going to use your strengths to improve the lives of human beings? And I think I want to touch on something which I, has been bothering me a little bit, which is that I feel that um, we need to be kinder in business. I feel like we, we raise Absolutely. up and we promote cruel a bit of people who are unkind people who are unnecessarily tough on other people and we hold those people up as the business leaders mm. but i think we need to to have business leaders that are kind business leaders that have moral fiber business leaders that um compassion and empathy that are compassion exactly exactly yep. so i think one of the things that i i'm trying to encourage people to think about is just to be kind in business it's not all about you know stamping on other people for you to get ahead but think about look how could you collaborate with somebody else in a in a in this even the same field it's not all about competition all the time how could you actually work together and collaborate with other businesses and actually form really good relationships with other businesses instead of running them down and competing with them how can you actually work together you know you know how can you look at networking differently a lot of the times we network but it's so superficial I think Absolutely. we need to be in, in even in that context we need to be kinder you know sometimes you go to networking events you introduce yourself and you say my name is Abby Beho and I work for a charity and then you see people glaze over and they start to look at around the room to find somebody that's probably in banking or something or and finance or investment yeah or yeah. startup funding exactly exactly mm -hmm. so i think even in, things you know yeah yeah so i think even in 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 when the networking that we do i think we need to network to form good working relationships not to think about how am i going to get something from that person but actually mm -hmm. how can i develop really good meaningful business relationships that are actually where we come together for a common good and we address a specific problem. Not about, you know, is that, like I heard, I think we were watching some, a TEDx, mm. a TEDx video and the lady was just all about, you know, if that person can't, can't um, make you better, if that, if that, no, it wasn't make you better, but it was something around, if that person can't give you X, Y, Z, then you need to move on to somebody else. And I thought, that is such a horrible message that it should be about actually try and get to know people, understand them, form good relationships with people. Yeah. Um, so I just feel, yeah, so I just had to get that off my chest. I just feel that no, we need to be in business. I, and um, I think that's such a wonderful parting message because I think mm. at the end of every podcast I always say, is there any parting messages you'd like to share? So you actually shared it. Mm. And I think that's really, really important. And it's an extremely mm. powerful message. And I think sometimes, um, cause this community is for women. It's for women mm. who are just starting out in business. And I'm very, um, 
I'm, I'm very aware of the of, of what I say and who I bring mm. on to speak and how people are delivering their messages because yeah. when you're new to business, especially if you don't have any mentors or any advisors, when you look around you, all you see are this kind of hard nose, get in there, you know, yeah. get it done, do it for yourself, yada, yada. And yes. people, a yeah. lot of people believe they have to be ruthless in order to be successful. Exactly, exactly. And I think we need to... Um, take a step back and reflect and think actually that's not what we want to be as a people. We want to be a community-based people. We want to be kind. We want to help people. We want to make a positive contribution to society. It can't just be all about me, me, me. It has to be that you have to look at the bigger picture and you have to look at the reason why we're here and we have to look at, look, the world is a very negative place at the moment. How are we going to turn that around? All of us can make a contribution to turning this around and we can do that by being kinder and we can do that by by supporting each other by mentoring we can do that by working together collaboratively and and stop all this competitiveness but working together for a common good and when you look at some of the most successful people in business i don't Mm. think they necessarily got there by being extremely ruthless i think a lot of them will tell you that initially when they started out they had to work with a lot of different people they had to collaborate Mm. they had to partner Yes. Etc. Et I mean, I like Richard Branson. One of the reasons I like him is because yeah. I, he just gets it. I like his messages. I like the things he discusses. Mm. And I remember listening to a podcast when he said that, you know, my biggest success comes from my family. He said, I'm very fortunate. You know, I've got my parents who've been married for umpteen years. I've got my wife who he, he said, I'm nothing without my wife. He was like, I got married yeah. very young and she's been by me from day one. And he's like, people underestimate the power of just having your family and your close yeah. friends yes. and how that's really helped me to develop. And he was like into a better human being and a better businessman. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm listening yeah. to this guy who's mega billionaire has kind of done it all and still continues to move forward. And I think if Richard Branson can speak like that, what is our problem? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, and, and people, so. people say things like, Oh, well he's, he says that now because he's, he's made it. But <laughs> I don't know. He's maybe he's saying it because it's just the truth. You know, he's like, yeah, simple. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And when you look at the way he lives his life, he's always with his family. He's always mm, with his family. Mm, he's mm. always around his family with his kids doing this, doing that. And I think yeah. when you study those very successful people, you realize that they've kind of kept it simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important, but there's the, you know, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's good to listen to people like that. Cause I think you said, somebody said, Oh, he could say that now because he's made it. Yeah. But, you know, he's saying that because he's learned, he's, he's had a long journey and he's learned exactly. and he's sharing with you, exactly. you know, key, key things that you need to think about. And I think you need to take that on board and not just say, oh, you know, he's made it so he can say it, but actually he's giving you some and nuggets. Made, and yeah, exactly. And he's probably, he's probably helping us to, to cut some of cut out some of the mistakes that he made by telling us, you know, you really need to focus on what matters and don't get too caught up in all that other stuff. Because sometimes you look and I was speaking to a friend the other day, you look in social media and you, Mm. you can feel so Hmm. like you're not doing anything with your life when you look at social media, <laughs> you know, because you go, you scroll through and you see this person won this award and this person did yes. this and this person yeah. did that. And if you're not strong with who you are, like you said, if you don't know your purpose and that's the key here, you can get mm. so caught up in that, that you think, Oh, I'm not doing anything with my life. You know, I'm, I, yeah. you, you get really low self-esteem. You start to feel sort of downtrodden etc etc and then you think okay I'm miserable now you know but if you have this strong sense of purpose you can look and see what all those other people are doing and you go you know good for them but I know what I'm doing because there are a lot of people in social media who it just seems like they're constantly winning an award or they're doing something or they've been here or they've done that and and you go really like wow how does that even happen like there's a constant stream of quote unquote success you know yeah but I guess what I always say to people is that you're you're seeing yeah you're seeing the 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 positive you're seeing you're seeing um yeah you're seeing the output of like maybe 10 years of work so you're not actually seeing all the work that they put into getting that award exactly Um, and so which is why social media is a little bit dangerous so I would I would very dangerous because you only see the highlights you see the highlights you don't necessarily see all the hard times the struggles you know nobody's gonna be like oh my gosh I had the worst day today some people do but they hardly do 
yeah, I think you're only exactly. seeing like a tiny percentage of someone's life. And people and will share what they want you to see. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to share when they got rejected or when exactly. they were stressed out, when they were depressed, because I guess they think nobody exactly. wants to see that. So if, exactly. if you're going through and you're just seeing all the positives, it can really, it can really. Yeah. Turn you off. Yeah. But you're but absolutely that, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I was just going to say that. I just think it, it's, you have to like watch the amount of time we spend on social media though. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I think you could, you could just very easily fall down the rabbit hole and be constantly looking at this person and what they're doing and that person, what they're doing and you kind of lose focus. And I think it's, it's important for us to just um, focus on us to a certain extent and understand how we're going to um, develop ourselves, uh, get our businesses going um, you know, understand our purpose and move forward. And I think once you've done all of that, um, then you're in a better place to kind of probably appreciate everybody else's achievements once you've kind of um, kind of organized yourself and strategize and, and understand where you're going. Definitely. And like you said, find your purpose. And I think that yeah. personally speaking, that's been the key for me. I think mm. for me, when I realized, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, I don't have it all figured out. I feel like I never will. <laughs> but mm. I have some sense of direction and what I need to be doing. And I think when, yeah. when that kind of light bulb moment went off in yeah. my head, everything else yeah. fell into place. So now I'm at a place where I can, I can see other people doing well and I can congratulate them and I can see that, yeah. wow, motivation for me. If she can do that, mm, maybe I can try exactly. something too, exactly. you know, but I don't exactly. feel less than because of that. And I think that's yes. because of yes. purpose, but it's very yes. hard to figure out that purpose, like you said, it is. who you it are is. It's very and, and yeah. what you're here to do and, and why you should be doing this. And some people yeah. never do. And some people never do. No, no. But I think as long as you're doing something positive and productive, then that's fine. And I think if you're looking at all these people and they have all these achievements, maybe just it, sometimes it's nice to learn from them and understand how they got to where they, they are today um, and understand their journey. And you can always learn so much from somebody's journey. So, oh, definitely. so I think that could be a way to overcome if, if you're out there and you're seeing all your peers and all your friends are, are, are flying high and you don't seem to be there i think there are two things one is there's a time and a place for everything there's a season exactly. for everything so it might not necessarily exactly. be your season just now but yes. if you're planning and you're preparing when the opportunity comes your time you will come your time will come and then the second thing is to just learn from their journey what have they done what's worked well um you know just learn from their journey and and be patient uh, some people are late bloomers it's never yes. never too late never never yes. too late but just make sure that you're developing yourself, you're learning, and you're prepared. So you have everything in place so that when the opportunity comes, you can take it. Definitely. And that is a perfect way to end this <laughs> podcast. Because I don't need to say anything else because you just said it perfectly. You've said it perfectly. No. Such Thank wise you. little snippets of wisdom, Abby. Thank you so much. Thank it was you. such a pleasure to speak with you. And let everyone know how they can find you. So what is your website address and your contact okay. details? Wonderful. So first, before I uh, go into all of that, I just want to say big thank you, Joanne, for oh, all the pleasure. wonderful work that you're doing. I think the work that you're doing is, is much needed. Thank um, you. It is very nice that you're giving women a platform to express themselves, share their journeys, learn from each other. And I just wish you every success. I think it, it is wonderful. I looked at your website the other day. I think it's, you've updated it. I think it looks lovely. Really yes. looks nice. And it's um, being, so just, it's, we're going through some changes again. So that's exciting. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> thank well, you so, just, so much. Yeah, just thank you for all that you do because you're just like a little force to be reckoned with and you're just wonderful. Thank and you. on top of that, you're a pleasant person. So thank you thank so you. much for all that you do. Thank um, you. So back to me. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> so if people want to um, find out more about the work that we're doing, you can go to the website, so lakehealthandwellbeing.com. We're on social media as well. So you can find us on social media. Um, our Facebook, it's at Lake Health Wellbeing. Um, Twitter, we still have our old Twitter handle, changing over Twitter handle soon. So it's um, the Lake Found on Twitter, but it will be changing soon. Um, and if you want to send us an email, you can do that at info at thelakefoundation.com. So that's how you can get in touch with us. And we're always happy to hear from people. So please do get in touch if you have any questions. I'm very happy to receive emails. So 
And are you looking to collaborate or partner with anyone on anything in particular at the moment? People who yeah. might be listening, who may want to. Okay, have yeah. A look. yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. So actually, that's, that's a really good point. So very open to collaboration. So if you're working in the health and well-being field, particularly um, non-communicable diseases, so anything around cancer, diabetes, heart disease. Also, if you're doing any work on fibroids, I'd love to hear from you um, and explore any opportunities to work together. That would be like really fantastic. Uh, also, actually, if you um, like blogging, and um, you're in the health and well-being field, um, always looking for guest bloggers who could write about um, health issues that are of concern to the Black community, so you can get in touch about that as well. Bravo. Okay, great. Thank you so <laughs> much, Abby. I cannot wait oh, to thank you, you again thank and you. have you on the podcast to, you know, in a little bit to hear how things are going yeah, on. I think by the yeah. when, when we speak to you again, you will have already dominated the Caribbean region. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be fantastic. And it? moving on to bigger and better things. But oh, for now. For of confidence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But for now, things sound lovely. And thanks again for sharing your story yeah. with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, All right, lovely birds. That is it. I am certain that something Abby has said has inspired you or motivated you. And you all have her details and her contacts. So please do not hesitate to reach out. And until next time, bye for now.